What's up, y'all? It's your boy Jason here with the Counterpart Bros. Coming to let you know that the official date has been set for the anniversary episode, and it will be Thursday, April 21st, episode 53. So mark your calendar down. Make sure you check it out. A lot of big things planned. And make sure you continue to get us some messages for the anniversary show. And again, get those to us by Thursday, April the 14th. That way we have time to get into the actual show. And again, these are just messages to let us know what you thought about the first year of the Countdown Bros. What you liked, what you didn't like, favorite segments, favorite moments, things like that. Send those to us at countdownbros.gmail.com or go to countdownbros.com for the message link or call us at 405-877-BROS or hit the Countdown Bros pages on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and TikTok. You know what it is. Whichever way you want to, hit us up. But remember, when it comes to all things Calpart Bros, make sure you like us, love us, share us, and follow us. Because if you like us, why wouldn't you? Welcome to the Calpart Bros Podcast. I'm your host, Terrence, and with me is my co-host, Jason, calling in for the Batcave in Indianapolis. Jason, how are you, my good man? Hey, man, I'm good. It's a great day because it's time to get down with another episode of the Calpart Bros. Ready to do this? Three more good topics for you folks. Let's get into it. Okay. Welcome again. Thank you for listening. This is episode 47 of the Calpart Bros podcast. For the uninitiated, Calpart Bros is the podcast to hear. We are a weekly podcast of fans of culture, current events, sports, life, and entertainment. And as always, we're your hosts, Terrence and Jason. And every single Thursday, we come to you with a brand new episode where we discuss the current events of the day, sports, and the athletes we love. And even some of the athletes we love. No matter the topic, you can expect a brutally honest and fun exchange of snark while learning through the lens of our 30 years of friendship that originated in Calumet Park, Illinois. And folks, for more Cal Park Bros content, connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and YouTube under the handle Cal Park Bros and Cal Park Bros Podcast for more behind the scenes of the show and just to engage with us every single day. But do not forget that the Cal Park Bros Podcast is available to listen and subscribe for free wherever you listen to podcasts. Like us, love us, share us, follow us. And folks, if you like us, hell, why wouldn't you? That's right, folks. Like Terrence says, we are the podcast to hear and watch. So make sure you're living it, loving it, and doing it. Okay. Um, Jason, as we almost embark on our one-year anniversary of the show, uh, pretty soon we're going to be talking about the state of the podcast. But before that, we got to talk about the state of the nation, the state of the union, dog. Um, for for a show this that that was hell bent that was was staunch staunchly opposed to being a political show we talking politics like a motherfucker on cal park bros listen we're not a political show us talking about um the state of the union doesn't change that so it's okay we'll be okay listeners be okay it's fine yeah it sounds like something you'd say, like, don't get your panties all up in a bunch. Everything will be okay. I don't think I've ever used that line before, ever. So thank you for telling lies on me. Thanks. Appreciate that. Oh, so you wouldn't have said, hey, just have a sip of your beer and relax? Hey, I haven't said that in a while, but thanks for reminding me. I need to, need to bring that back. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, the first thing we're going to be talking about, uh, President Biden's State of the Union address. Um, and state of the union addresses are always funny to me. First off, you've got a president who hasn't had a lot of success, uh, in terms of having legislation passed yet. So 
And this is the the, the first uh, State of the Union for President Biden anyway. And then you you combine that with the fact that, OK, in the backdrop, oh, shit, we're about to we're we're about to go toe to toe with Russia, not full on war. But there is some there is some beef there. And shit is not cozy. So the State of the Union, people were kind of waiting with bated breath for what the president would say. Uh, and I'm referencing an article from NPR uh, by the a journalist, Dominico Montero, Five Takeaways from Biden's State of the Union Address. President Biden's first formal State of the Union Address focused on Ukraine, inflation, the coronavirus pandemic, and a four-point unity agenda. He urged world unity and standing up to Russia listed ways he's trying to address rising prices, even if they likely will have limited to no effect in the short term, and offered an optimistic outlook about the end of the pandemic. Biden made mention of some progressive policy items, such as the need for robust voting rights legislation, and stood up for transgender and abortion rights while leaving out some other topics, such as climate change. And he also touted some of his accomplishments of the first year, such as the COVID-19 relief bill and the bipartisan infrastructure bill. But the speech's emphasis on many of Biden's centrist policy positions, like not defunding the police, was a clear choice in an election year. It was reminiscent in some ways of Bill Clinton's 1995 State of the Union address made after Republicans' historic gains in the 94 midterm elections. Before we even get to these five takeaways, dog, this that's a there's a lot going on there. They're already comp- comparing President Biden to Bill Clinton. I could make the argument that midterm elections are not shaping the tenor of these speeches. Jason, thoughts on that? Um, I would have to agree. Um, like we mentioned in the previous episode, go back and check that, that out, folks. But it's, yeah, midterms are what they are, but the, the big game is all about the, the big four, you know. In this case, we look at 2024. Um, but I, I will say this: one one of the big observations that stood out to me, and again, just what I saw with my eyes, as opposed to what I heard with my ears, which we'll get into that, is you have to. I almost feel like we have to point out, or be important not to point out, given that yesterday was International Women's Day, that we actually had two women in the background behind Biden when he was talking, Kamala Harris and Pelosi sitting back there as the vice president and speaker of the house, you know, thought that was pretty cool. I don't think, I mean, I've never been a big fan of watching the state of the union address, but in all the pictures I've never seen of it, I don't think I've ever seen that. You know what I mean? So the history and perhaps one day we'll see a picture where we have the woman standing in front talking and two dudes in the back, you know, woman, put the woman in front one day. It'll happen one day. Um, Another thing I, I, with my eyes, I, I kind of thought and saw was people seem super fake. All standing up and clapping and applauding at almost everything he said. I'm like, okay, I know not everybody who stood up and applauded and agrees with what he's saying. I know for a fact. There's no way, including Mr. Ted Cruz, who, part of my language, man, resting bitch face like all the time, um, <laughs> and I was no different than. Than last, than not last night, but when he did the State of the Union, which was last Tuesday. So, I don't know. I, now, there were some people out there definitely, for sure, you know, expressing their displeasure with whatever he was saying. 
by not, you know, standing up, giving kind of the sarcastic golf clap. Or people yelling out and saying, yelling, it was, I don't know who it was, but basically people yelling out when he was saying stuff and whatnot. That was pretty interesting as well. But a lot of the topics, he hit on a lot of topics, like, you know, because I wasn't, I, I watched this on YouTube yesterday, the whole thing, and he hit on a lot of topics. I wasn't expecting him to do that, um, which is good. Obviously, there's a lot going on in the world. It's important. However, there's one thing that he didn't mention, which I'm going to go into later. But, but Terrence, what did you think about it? Did you watch the whole thing, some of it, all of it? I watched. So the day of, I watched the latter half. And then the remainder, I've just been kind of looking at snippets, uh, much like we're kind of referencing in this NPR article here. So, so I caught a lot of the, as you mentioned, the pomp and circumstance, the the uh because usually the state of the union is a big deal the you know the rafters are full with people right well covid protocols they had to strip that down a little bit i also like that they put the fences up right before that speech started like literally last week or the week prior uh, because they were like hey just in case some of you dumbasses want to kick off the sequel to the January 6th um, uh, cosplay party. Um, yeah, we, we we got something for y'all ass too. Don't worry. Yeah. So, yeah, I... I... I was not surprised that he had so much to speak to because when it's your first one, you got a lot to cover. And you especially have even more to cover when you don't have any landmark legislation. Like, look, I don't care who you voted for in the last presidential election. The reality is this is your president. This president has much to accomplish. Every major piece of legislation up until this point, he hasn't been able to even uh, get passed successfully because he doesn't really have a legit coalition. I mean, when you've got when you've got fellow Democrats shitting on what you've presented, then the conditions are not right for success. Um, and we're going to talk about that a little bit more anyway. Um, so the article um, talks about this. This was a much more unified looking Congress. And to me, to me, that's all about perception. Right. And many people, you know, because they're just so fed up with politics anyway, they may not even know how the state of a union address works. So typically, whatever party the president happens to be in, if you are of that party, typically you're standing and applauding. This is the fake part Jason was referencing. <laughs> Meanwhile, the other half, the opposition party, <laughs> Sits quietly, voices their displeasure, or in, uh, in some cases, not so quietly, voices their displeasure. Now, when it came to matters of the heart, Ukraine, of course, everyone's going to be unified. Because if you can't unify on that, man, you ain't, there is no hope for this country, okay? Agreed. Um, I also think that the president was trying to get ahead of what we call the endemic part of COVID-19. 
where, and we've talked about this on the show before, where as opposed to us trying to live with COVID-19, it's life after COVID-19, which is effectively, hey, we, we, we've, we've gone through about two years of mandates, vaccine protocols, you name it. And so the American people in general are ready to hear, because that's at the end of the day, that's all he can sell right now is optimism. When, ga- when gas is damn near five five fifty eight, <laughs> that's all you can do is sell hope. Um, he talked about inflation. He, there's no getting around it. We've already talked about it. Gas was out of control. Natural, you know, natural gas costs were out of control. And this is before the shit went down in Ukraine. Okay. So any, any hopes of saving his political agenda, he's got to put that front and center because nobody wants to hear what the fuck you're talking about when, when gas is damn near $10. I'm sorry. Nobody wants to hear it. And it does not matter what party that person is from in the White House. Is gas really five fifty eight in Chicago land area right now? I'm asking. Shit, I'm asking. Gas, buddy. You I'm me. asking for a friend. <laughs> I'm asking for a friend. So yeah, I don't live in Chicago. As people know, so gas isn't in the fives uh, here. Unless it went up dramatically. I've really been outside today. So, um, but you know, but that notwithstanding, yeah. So he definitely started this his uh, speech off talking about Ukraine and Russia, which. I have to say it's probably the right move because I'd say that's the biggest thing going on right now. However, I was a little concerned with how much he was talking about it, and I wasn't sure if that was going to consume the entirety of his speech. But then again, I watched it on YouTube, so now I hit the little little time button and realized, okay, he's talking for an hour. He's probably not talking about this for an hour. It's okay. Um, one thing about that, though, that he did point out towards the end of that segment was that he mentioned that they, there are no plans and they're not going to go over to send troops over to help Ukraine defend the U.S. They did say they would get involved. They would get involved if Russia tried to take over like any type of NATO territory, stuff like that. That's when he said we would get involved as far as soldiers and stuff like that. I'm like, OK, OK, we'll see. We'll see. Hopefully it doesn't come to that. Uh, Russia and Ukraine both had too many people dying over this. No, no offense to them, but we don't need any of our guys you know, being part of that either. So if not needed. Um, also, one of the other big things he talked about next, like I mentioned, was the recovery. And you mentioned that he mentioned not living with COVID. And I, I, I when, he, when he said not living with it, what stood out to me with that term is that a lot of people on social media are saying, hey, we just need to stop worrying about this. We need to just learn how to live with it. It's always going to be here, blah, 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 blah. Just kind of like taking a sort of a defeatist attitude, more of an attitude. I'm just trying to get over my life now. I'm tired of wearing a mask. I'm not talking about vaccines no more, blah, 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 blah. But he said, like you said, that no, we're still going to combat this. You know, We recognize that new variants are coming up all the time, and we're working on procedures to get stuff in place where we can create a vaccine within 100 days as opposed to a matter of months to fight these all these, all these new variants. 
Now, obviously, I'm not a vaccine guy, as I mentioned. Ooh, I'm not into this vaccine. But the fact that he said that, I'm like, okay. At least they're trying. I'll give that. They actually care about, you know, things like that. He also mentioned also parents concerned about the under, uh, under you know, five years and under kids getting their uh, vaccine as well. He touched on that a little bit. Um, the, the one thing I kind of had to chuckle and laugh at a little bit and, like, had, like, a year right kind of a thing is when he mentioned domestic manufacturing, you know, making things made here as opposed to having to go out to China and all the other places to get things where can be more, you know, independent, essentially. And I'm like, it seems like that people have been saying that for decades as far as presidents to like that, but yet, now it's not to say that more things aren't made here compared to 20, 30 years ago, because they probably are. But it seems like all the bigger things Probably more important things are still made in China and other places. Now I don't want to keep naming out China, but that's kind of always the joke. Things are always made in China, quote unquote. You know, so I, I kind of chuckle at that a little bit because I'm like, that's the one thing I, I, I'm like in my head. I want to see that before I believe it, because I feel like they talk about that forever again, and it always seems to be a thing every year. Um, also, he mentioned um, in, in particular, you mentioned also too that. There was a uh, trying to be a theme of there was a unified Congress, and he he mentioned that a couple times as well. Then I'm like, uh, you sure? Based on what? Because like you said, he hasn't really got any legislation passed. They they unified it as in they not beefing openly. They beefing behind the scenes. They doing some shady shit. Well, it's it's that's 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 the it's. It's it's the it's the stuff like Joe Manchin dive bombing legislation at the eleventh hour, when objectively he could have just said, "Hey man, I'm not voting for this shit," and it's currently in its current configuration. I'm like, you can't you 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 can't uh, report on that beforehand before I'm out here looking like a fucking idiot. There, that's the shit I'm talking about. So it's 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 a fake unity. Well, I kind of feel like when he said that, based off the tone of what he was saying, I couldn't tell if he was referring to the nation is united, or if he was talking about people in the building at the time he was making that speech were united. Because I kind of almost kind of feel like, in either in both cases, that seemed like that's not correct, based on what you were saying. Yeah. For the State of the Union address on certain topics, it might be united, like the Ukraine topic. Yeah, they're united there, as like you said, we should be. But see, like with everything else, there's always going to be that, that disconnect, which unfortunately is going to leak over into, you know, everyday Joe Blow, like you and me. Where, unfortunately, yes, there is a divide in this country when it comes to political lines, which is what it is. I'm not sure if anything's going to change at this point, but it's, it's almost like you mentioned with the COVID. Like people, like he mentioned, living with COVID. The co- the COVID. What is this? Oh, the Ohio State moving University. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> moving on. So when you're referring, you know, to people saying living with COVID, this may be something we have to live with now with the whole political divide. I don't know how it can get better, other than having the perfect candidate in there, um, which isn't Joe Biden. But um, the one thing that I was kind of surprised. Not necessarily in a good way or a bad way that he didn't mention, 
or for the topic he didn't mention hmm. was well, for lack of a better term, we'll say race relations. I'm very surprised. And there was an article I found, I believe it was uh, your NPR. Matter of fact, it was NPR, a different article. That not one time did he mention the word black or race in his entire speech. And I kind of have mixed feelings about that. And I'm like, okay. Because we mentioned before that I felt like he was kind of pandering to the black community and then women vote when he was getting elected. And when he's talking about the nomination for the uh, Supreme Court spot. I kind of felt like he was pandering. So I'm actually kind of surprised in a positive way that he didn't bring up race or, or, or the term black. At least he wasn't pandering. But on the negative side, I'm kind of like, well, now that we're talking about the State of the Union specifically, I'm kind of negatively surprised that he didn't mention anything about it at all. Even 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 when he was talking about the nominee and the name, I, I the legend's name, forgive me, I, I really can't pronounce it. I've been struggling to do it. Katani Brown. That's Thank what you. you're talking about. Thank That's you. who you're it talking about. Katani Brown. Thank you. So even when he's talking about that, the briefly when he mentioned that, he didn't bring up again her race at all. Which again, in that aspect, good because she's more than just that. She's you know a qualified candidate. And he mentioned all the qualified when it comes to all the people in fraternal orders and unions that are backing her for her, that spot. But I'm just very surprised that he didn't bring yeah, that up. I think he missed but... the mark when it comes to that overall when it comes to him bringing up race relations in this country, when it comes to any aspect, whether it be police brutality, you know, uh, uh, know, racism, whatever. Institutional racism, rather. But very surprised that he didn't mention that at all, name for five minutes. I'm not surprised that that he didn't bring it up because, number one, you're talking about someone who is a Democratic centrist. So, and and we ran into this, we ran into this, it's funny that NPR article mentions Bill Clinton, when a much more recent example is Barack Obama. The, when, when President Obama was elected, everyone was thinking, oh my God, this is such a symbol of hope, and it's going to change everything about the way politics works in America ignoring that Barack Obama was nowhere near as liberal as as his opponents would ever lead you to believe. I mean, that's about as switch. Barack Obama, Bill Clinton, Joe Biden. It's central casting of being right in the middle. Switzerland. They're not trying to change shit. And so it doesn't mean that they can't be a beacon of hope and a beacon and a beacon for changing things in America. That just means these people ran as middle of the road candidates. So when so when we project our expectations on these candidates thinking that, oh, Here's this is what they're going to be. Here's how they're going to govern. Yeah, everyone's got a plan until, oh, shit, I don't have 60 votes for that. I got to come up with something else. That's why Bill Back Better didn't get fucking passed. Because <laughs> he ain't got the votes. You could have literally the cure to fucking cancer in these bills. And if you don't have enough votes to get this shit put into law, 
it's dead in the water. So it doesn't surprise me that that uh, that race was de-emphasized. Specifically, <laughs> if you are of the race that is black, that was de-emphasized. Because Joe Biden is running a centrist re-election campaign. He's already in re-election mode. He's already in midterm mode. And he's fairly certain he's going to get his fucking ass handed to him with the rest of the Democrat, uh, Democratic um, senators and representatives that are going to be up for re-election if something isn't passed soon, asexually, that improves the economy in general for average folk. Um, so when he said he didn't believe in defunding the police, I was not surprised because we already covered this on the show as, as a, as a, as a, as a, as a strategy trying to propose to people to defund the police doesn't work. You know, I remember when that campaign came out and my immediate thought was, even if you had a point, when you said you wanted to defund the police, any well-reasoned individuals would not align themselves with your cause because you're throwing the baby out with the bathwater. At least that's what it comes across as. So I'm not surprised if President Biden said, no, I'm not in favor of defunding the police. Um, and so that's how we end up with this unity agenda where he talks about the middle ground. Basically, Hey, here's here's things that no matter who you voted for in 2020, you should be in favor of. Because this is his last best hope. Did, um, so one, two last things I want to point out. Uh, one is that NPR also mentioned a separate, a separate article about this. Them, NPR, PBS, and the Marist uh, poll company uh, put out a survey right after the uh, State of the Union address. And they pointed out that Biden had a significant boost in his, you know, basically approval ratings after that speech. Um, again, which I know I mentioned before, Biden had negative, didn't have really great poll numbers as far as approval ratings, whatnot. Um, if anybody's interested in trying to check that poll out or the information about, just go to uh, maristpoll.marist.edu and you'll be able to find an article. It was an article mentioned from March 4th. Um, so check that out. It's interesting enough. But um, but yeah. Uh, and the other thing I want to mention, kind of a lighthearted kind of thing, is you mentioned Switzerland. Uh, and Switzerland obviously has its reputation of being in the middle and not want to get involved one way or the other. But even Biden mentioned during the speech that even Switzerland's getting involved with trying to back Russia off. And, fight, and fighting is Russia, even they're getting involved. So that, that, tell, that should tell you a lot about the whole Russia-Ukraine situation. If Switzerland is making a stance and getting involved one way or the other and not be st just sticking in the middle, hey, that, there, there's your sign right there for anything else, bud. Yeah, next thing you're going to tell me that Japan is making PlayStations for this war effort. I mean, they probably are. I mean, we're, I mean, hey, we're on PlayStation 5 right now. I'm sure there's plans for PlayStation 6. And maybe... Those plans got moved up a little bit because of this stuff, so we don't know. That's just a Chappelle Show reference for the kids at home, by the way. Good old Chappelle Show. Chappelle Show. Chappelle Show. 
See, that's what see, Terrence, that was an appropriate place for you to throw a line in there. Bread not bring your kids. You messed it up again, bro. Come on. I'm throwing them out there to you. No. Come on, man. Nah. No, I would say in general, the state of the union, it's important to at least be informed. Number one, no matter who you voted for, at least know what's being talked about. And then second, this is another thing that fascinates me about state of the unions. President can't even get out of the damn uh, chambers of Congress, shaking hands, photo ops and all that shit. Immediately after the opposing side has a response. That has got to be so confounding. I'm like, fam, I can't even get into my damn limo. And you already ready to talk shit about my agenda. Well, I mean, that comes with the territory, man. I mean, I, I see your point. I'm not disagreeing with you. But I thought this comes with the territory. No matter what, whether it's a state of the union or not, if he makes any kind of address at all, even like when he was addressing uh, the COVID situation with the vaccine, people are going to be, you know, critical about that. You know, even from his own own side, the Democrats. I think it comes with the territory. Um yeah, that's what it is, man. Like, it not be the case he didn't feel as a Republican in the office. Definitely when Trump was in office, I know people were really to tear what he said up apart. Hell, people would definitely get that anytime he said anything. Deservedly so, because he's an idiot. You know, yeah. The opposing side being critical when you're a politician, let alone the face, the, the face of the country politician. Yeah, people on the other side would really jump down your throat with anything you do. Because it's never going to be perfect in their eyes. Oh, don't do it. Right, exactly. And that's where that divide goes. I mean, it's always going to be divided along political lines. It's just a hard line this time. And that's going to show itself when it comes to the public opinions and criticisms when he, comes to make, when he makes a speech. Yeah. In that case, you just got to be like B-Rabbit and 8 Miles. Like, listen, I'm already bring up all the shit that I know you about to about to rap about in this battle. And I'm just going to put that shit out there so I can steal some of the thunder. You know, I present that objectively for the president Biden, not because I'm the biggest Biden defender, but simply if you know that you don't have major, major legislation passed, fucking talk about the 800 pound elephant in the room and be done with it. Why? Because not talking about it is also. Yep. Not helping you. Facts. So. All right. OK. That concludes our first segment on President Biden's state of the union. Coming up next, we'll be talking about the Texas abortion uh, phenomenon related to geography. Coming up next on Calpark Rose. Now, I hope, friends, that you'll forgive me. I'm finally getting caught up on all those cool TV shows that have been on streaming for like years. I'm new to the game. And I'm watching this show called The Last Dance. And it got me thinking. The Chicago Bulls were a dynasty. And you know what? There's another dynasty in the making from Chicago. We're at in Chicago, you might ask? Well, Calumet Park. The Cal Park Bros. Terrence and Jason. They've been at it for nearly a year. 47 episodes. Have you listened to all 46? Because I have. I've even been lucky enough to be part of probably 40 of these episodes. So, Terrence and Jason, keep bringing us those awesome segments. We love listening to you. Let's get this podcast rolling. See ya! Welcome back to Cal Park Bros. 
Jason and I are fresh off the uh, first segment discussing uh, the State of the Union address. Some rebuttal is expected. But yeah, I can see why a guy like Jason just can't get jiggy with all the pomp and circumstance at the State of the Union. In the second segment, we're going to be talking about the fact that um, even with Texas's incredibly restrictive uh, ban on on abortion. What's what's even crazier is that abortions are going up in neighboring uh, states. And I'm referencing an article um, from Yahoo, Oriana Gonzalez. This came out March 5th. Um, new data shows Texans, Texans overwhelmingly travel, travel out of state to get abortions after ban took effect. The number of Texas residents who traveled out of state to access uh, abortion um, care increased dramatically after the most restrictive abortion ban in the United States went into effect in the state in September. Newly released data shows Planned Parenthood health centers in Texas surrounding states saw a nearly 800% increase in abortion patients from Texas between September 1st and December 31st, 2021. Meanwhile, in Texas, the number of clinic abortions performed in the state fell by approximately 60% in the first month after Senate Bill 8 was enacted. Oklahoma saw a nearly 2,500% increase in Texas patients compared to the previous year. Texans made up over half of the total number of abortion patients in the state's uh, Planned Parenthood health centers compared to less than 10% in 2020. Uh, New Mexico saw a 100% increase. In Colorado, there was more than a 1,000% increase in abortion patients from Texas compared to previous years. Now, Louisiana and other Texas neighboring states saw an approximately 340% increase in abortion patients from Texas after the ban took effect. So uh, the reason why we brought up this article is basically we had already covered uh, Texas and its many, um, what many would consider, and I think I would agree with this, to be anti anti-woman legislation, right? Basically saying, here's what you can do with your body, you know, my body, my choice. And yet they're basically saying, be damned, even if it's a rape and incest scenario, right? Um, that they value, they value life so much, but they want, they, they want the kid to grow up so that they can kill him, Right. And so the, 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 the legislation has been so prohibitive to the point that it is easier to do business in another state regarding this, regarding your own body, than it is to, to, uh, than to do it, to do it where you, uh, where you actually reside within the state of Texas. So, um, I would say these numbers aren't all that surprising. These are all border states. Uh, this isn't going to change the 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 civic need or desire for for free individuals to not carry a pregnancy to term. And so, these asshats in Texas. They're not preventing abortion. They're just making it so that it's going to happen somewhere else. So those are my initial thoughts, Jason. What do you have on this? 
So you mentioned border states. Um, one thing I do want to point out here is that you mentioned a lot of states that saw increases, New Mexico, Colorado, Louisiana, Kansas, Missouri, Arkansas, even. Um, so not this is not calling out or anything, but just pointing out to people that some of those states, yes, do directly border Texas. Some of them don't. Technically, Colorado, Kansas, Missouri, they're not the next states over to Texas. They're actually two states away at least. So people willing to drive two states away, some of which may be availability, but willing to drive two states away just to get this stuff done. I found an article from uh, an ABC News article that meant talking about the same thing. The people are even going as far as California, Florida, and New York as well to get it done. Those states as well saw a smaller increase in Texas uh People with women with Texas addresses and zip codes coming there to get them as well. Now, they mentioned some of that maybe just because they have family there. It might have been easier to get it done. Still, if you're willing to go that far away just to get it done, that says a lot. Um, but just to point out, like you mentioned, you know, Texas didn't really prevent the abortions from happening. They just prevented them from happening in Texas. According to the Texas Health and Humane Human Services Commission, and again, keep on we're talking about from September to the end of the month, end of the year last year. Not to mark the whole year, but Texas saw a drop total in the whole year of sixty percent. So, so yeah. So I agree. They're not stopping nothing. People are just going to go get it somewhere else. And this also kind of hits on what I was mentioning before in a different episode, talking about not only are people willing to move to different states to avoid. Know, living where they live, like if you're a totally blue person or if you're a woman, you may be thinking about leaving Texas because you feel like you can't be who you are. I'm not saying abortion women are, but if you know what I mean, if like you're being attacked legislatively in the state of Texas, you probably don't leave. So people willing to move, change their whole life just to avoid a certain state, they're definitely going to be willing to drive two states away or a state away just to get this one thing done. Now, the one I will admit, the one thing I also thought about in this is that we're seeing the numbers showing an increase in the in the legal and above board abortions because mentioned a lot of these numbers are from Planned Parenthood. What what we don't know, we're never going to get numbers from, are all the back alley and below board abortions that are happening. People that you know for whatever reason don't feel like they want to get them in Texas. They want they don't want to drive a state away to get it, but they still want to get it while they live in Texas. So. While these back alley doctors doing it and people not licensed to do it or whatever, so that's one thing I have to think of in my head as well. Well, you're never going to have numbers for that, but I had to imagine those probably increased as well. Sorry to say that, but it is what it is. Um, but at the same time, like you said, this isn't the first time we talked about Texas in general, whether it be abortion or anything else. So. Like I, like we joked last week, Florida and Texas are the two favorite states we love to talk about. We're from Illinois. We love Chicago. We love being from there. But we definitely talk. <laughs> we definitely talk about Florida and Texas a lot, and probably more so than, than Chicago. Now, granted, some of that probably just talking crap on them, but which is what it is. But sometimes, deservedly so. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong. I love to talk about Texas and Florida. Yeah, maybe, maybe we have. I don't know, but but with this, yeah, it, it's um. I'd be curious to know from a Texas lawmaker who had anything to do with this 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 uh, state bill, and what what are their, what are their thoughts on these numbers? Knowing that you're not stopping these from happening, you're just pushing them out to a different state.
which maybe it's what they want. Maybe they don't want, you know what, we knew that this is going to have people go to different we don't care, we just don't want them happening with our borders. Because we left Texas, don't mess with Texas, all that good stuff you want to mention. Borders so. are such a relative term. You know, you, you, in, in the year of our Lord 2022, borders are relative. I mean, yeah, some, in some of these cases, these aren't border states, but as far as accessibility goes, um, you might be a greyhound away. Train, what have you? Well, true, but they're still willing to do it, that. And it's 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 still it's still interstate um, activity, right? So I don't want to call it commerce, but the reality is, it is it is incredibly uh, simple. Not simple. It is far more accessible to do something two states away than it's ever been, let's say, 50 years ago. True, but the point in bringing that up was the fact that people are willing to go that far. Yes, I realize it's easier with trains, planes, even drive if you want to. But I'm just saying the point of the fact that people are still willing to go that far just to get this stuff done. I think that's still a thing. Like, there's certain things that I might want in life, but I'm not willing to drive to Illinois to get it or Ohio, or Michigan, Kentucky, or whatever. You know what I mean? So that's the whole point we bring it up. You know what I mean? So that's what I'm referring to. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the, what I... <clears throat> excuse me. What what I am going to say is, is that when... It's this weird thing where... For, it's this weird thing for certain states to talk about individual freedoms. <laughs> but when they bring that up, they're not talking about the shit you want to do. <laughs> what do you mean? I mean, we're talking about uh, the fact that a place like Texas has an incredible embrace of gun culture. <laughs> um, and you... You you can walk around pretty much strapped up. You're you're probably not having to go two states away to get a gun. Well, true. Not that Oklahoma is much different than Texas, from what I found out. FYI, but I get your point. Um, yeah, I mean, Texas is no. It is no secret. Texas, when it comes to red states, Texas is the ultimate red state. I mean, I know they've mentioned some some changes in that, but. Yeah, it's it's a red state. When you think red state, you think Texas. It ain't changing. I, I was reading there's one of the channels I found on YouTube talked about you know states that people are moving to, and as well as you know different you know video about states leave people uh, states people are leaving. But it was mentioned that state of Texas, far as poll wise, rates pretty high or fairly high when it comes to the number of say people that are rude to tourists or people who are new to the state because they want to keep their state their state. They want to keep it a red state. They want to keep it conservative. So they're not really big on people moving into their state from you know blue states trying to do these things. You know what I mean? So, you know, it, it, it just kind of makes you also wonder what's next for Texas when it comes to the legislation. Uh, but when it comes to this, I'd be, I'd be very curious to see numbers. I'm sure there are places out there in the next five, ten years, the number of women who did decide to leave the state of Texas just because of stuff like this. Now, obviously, breaking news here, but 
I have to imagine how it would feel. But to me, whether I'm a female who wanted to get an abortion or not, or feel like it's you know something I want to do, the fact that legislation is being passed to take away direct to directly take away my choice and freedom, I might feel a certain way about that. So, if that means moving, me leaving the state. That means doing activities in other states that I can't do in mine, even if it's two other states away, or if I gotta fly across the country to a different region to do it. I guess we might have to do that. So, um, and this is the result. And again, keep in mind, this is only three, the data we got was only from three months of the year. So, all these big increases, they're comparing it to the entire year before in 2020. It's only three months in 2021. Madden might have been that whole year. So, um, and maybe something to look into for next year, the, the, like the end of next year, 2022, where those numbers are at for increases from 2021 through the entire day of 2022, or compared to 2020, whatever. Um, we got Texas. Uh, yeah, I'm sure we'll never. I'm sure we'll never hear any information about this. But I'm very curious about the, le- the legislation lawmakers who made this. What their thoughts exactly are about people leaving the state to still get them? What was your goal to try to stop women from getting it at all? And try and try and try. I mean, try. that that well, is what well, 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 I'm saying is try to say objectively that's well, their goal. what I'm saying. Is, what's your goal? Try to say, hey, abortions are bad. We want to make you see that. So we're going to create a law saying you can't do that. So we want to try to curb your mind and say, no, be the Christian thing and don't get abortions. Or are we just saying, you know what? We know what's going to happen. We don't want it to happen in our state. We want to. And then, you know what? That, that, that 60% number I mentioned earlier about the decrease, they're probably, they might be, they're probably proud of that. And that might be what they want. They might not care that people are going to every other state in the country as long as it doesn't happen in their state. It's probably all they care about, which to some degree, I get it. I mean, obviously you want to take your state no matter what it is, whether it be Indiana, Illinois, Texas, whatever. If your goal is to try to stop it all together, that was a massive fail for sure. Yeah. And I also think that a lot, you know, you mentioned the whole prospect of moving. Listen, for some folks, that is there's not a viable way forward. I think a lot of engaged citizens is citizens will say, okay, since we since we've already talked about politics on this show this 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 week, how many of those that voted for it are gonna be up for reelection this year? That is the question I'm curious about. Probably all of them. So yeah, it, it, to 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 me, there 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 is the the immediate concern. Hey, can you actually still have agency over your own body? And then there's also the secondary concern, which is why are you voting for motherfuckers that look that that keep wanting keep wanting to tell you what to do with your own body? So, though those are my thoughts. So well. That, that that's going to be a research topic uh, for myself personally is to see. Hmm. I wonder how many of these individuals are going to be on the, on uh, an election form this year. 100%. All right. That concludes our segment over the uh, regional impact of abortions practically being banned in Texas. Coming up next, we're going to be talking about um, UFC heavyweight champion Kane Velasquez. Coming up next, the Cop Park Bros.
Welcome back to Calpar Bros. Jason and I are fresh out the segment discussing the uh, regional impact of abortions in other states since Texas has uh, implemented its almost full abortion ban. In the third segment, we're actually going to cover uh, the UFC. Uh, but for not the reasons you think we're going to cover the UFC. Um, there was a story that came out about Cain Velasquez. Um, Jason, I'm not as much in the UFC as I once was a long time ago. Uh, but most people know Cain Velasquez for the Extreme Fighting Championships. Um, and, you know, Cain Velasquez was like a big deal. He was a heavyweight champion in the UFC. Um, but the reason why his name was being brought up again is that he is brought up on charges for trying to kill a man who apparently molested a relative of his. Um, and this article is from cage side press. Um, Cain Velasquez was arrested uh, on Monday and charged with attempted murder following a shooting in Morgan Hill, California details later emerged that suggested Velasquez had targeted a man accused of molesting a family member of the fighter only to miss and wound a second individual instead. Uh, on Wednesday, the county uh, Santa Clara district attorney released more details in the case, including a host of new charges, including attempted premeditated murder, shooting at an occupied motor vehicle or aircraft, three counts of assault with a firearm, uh, three counts of assault with a deadly weapon, willfully discharging a firearm from a vehicle and carrying a loaded firearm with intent to commit a felony. So, the Jason, the story that, that that comes out from this, and I and I know that at first some people were looking at, oh, well, because Cain Velasquez was trying to uh, basically um, avenge uh, something heinous that happened to uh, an underage relative of his, uh, that there he, he was going to curry some favor um, once this case goes to trial. Um, but from my perspective, all that goes out of the fucking window when, uh, well, number one, I like my vigilantes on the silver screen, not in real life. You know what I'm saying? That, that That's why the average person is not in favor of defunding the police. I don't want every motherfucker on the streets thinking that they can take the law into their own hands. It does not help matters, by the way, that according to this article, that they were that the um that the alleged uh perpetrator involving the misconduct with the uh, with the minor was on their way to obtain an electronic monitoring bracelet and it was a condition of bail anyway so those are my initial thoughts jason what are, what are some of yours so let me paint a little picture here um so people know clearly what we're talking about here so you mentioned who Cain Velasquez is, former UFC heavyweight champion, de defeated Brock Lesnar. If anybody knows who that is, so go with that. But anyway, correct. Uh, so fortunately, he, there was a gentleman who is the son of a mom who owned an uh, in-home daycare. The young, the young relative of Cain Velasquez was someone in the care of this person. While they're in the care of this person, in the home daycare, the son... Uh, apparently molested, uh, again, this relative, among other kids, apparently, as well. 
Uh, kid stated that it supposedly happened a hundred times, which you know that's allegedly. Uh, like you mentioned, uh, individual was charged, went to trial, uh, was released. You know, you know, part of the uh, bail, whatever, was released. And correct, he was restricted to get a home ankle bracelet so he can just stay at home, not be anywhere near anyone fourteen or under. While on his way to get the bracelet or go home to get it there, whatever. I guess Cain Velasquez was aware of this and followed the vehicle on his way to get the bracelet. In the vehicle where the, the, the assailant, the, the, the man who did the molesting, another female and the, the assailant's stepfather. This began a supposedly high-speed chase that took place over 11 miles. And during that 11 miles, Cain was ramming the back of the vehicle with his truck. Both 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 uh, guys had trucks. Kane had a Ford. The other truck was a Chevy or something like that. But then also during this chase, Kane decided to take his legally possessed owned gun and fire it into the vehicle, obviously attempting to hit the assailant. As you mentioned, he didn't hit the assailant. He hit the stepfather who isn't dead. He's no life-threatening injuries, nothing like that. But again, this chase that went, changes everything. Well, well, actually, it does. Uh, as opposed to, like I said, he's got several charges which we'll go into. But the big one is the attempted murder, not actual murder. Again, eleven mile chase around the San Jose area, and that's what it is. Kane did this when he was arrested, you know, um, and that's what we're talking about here. Monday, he had a bail hearing. Bail was denied, so he's been ordered to stay in jail while awaiting trial. The judge basically said, long story short, that he felt like the risk of letting Kane out was too high. Two reasons. One, he felt like Kane would probably try to do it again, potentially. And the fact that he risked the lives of not just of three, uh, the people in the car he was chasing, but everyone else. If he ran, ran someone's car, that person can lose control, not to mention shooting a gun while on while, you know, a high-speed chase. Obviously, you can you imagine the danger with, with that. So, folks, that's the story we're talking about here. And as Terrence mentioned, because of he was trying to kill, or well, yeah, he's because he's trying to kill the person who did that molesting of his relative, he's going to curry favor when it comes to people saying, well, I would have done the same thing if it was my kid. I can't blame him. Even Ronda Rousey came out in public saying the same thing. Ronda Rousey, also a former UFC fighter, knew a new parent. Just had a baby girl, I believe, not too long ago. So, and that's really what this is really about. That Because even before all this, you, I'm sure you've seen people that you either know, social media saying that basically, you know, like you say, if that was my kid, I would have done this. If this is my kid, I would have done that. Well, here we go. Um, my, I, I'll say this. I definitely understand the want to get vengeance for this. Definitely do. My concern for Kane at this point, and shockingly enough, Joe Rogan said the same thing out loud as well, is that I wish he had used his hands for this. And now I know people could say that because he's a, U- a trained UFC fighter, his hands could also be deadly weapons as well. But at the same time, because you are a trained individual, you know how to beat somebody up without actually killing them. You know what I mean? So you can actually make a case of, okay, maybe I won't beat his head up or whatever too much, whatever, whatnot. But, but the second you basically try to use a gun in this, 
there's no other defense for firing a gun at somebody. You only have one intent to fire a gun at somebody. You're trying to kill them, period. So that's my that's I think that's gonna be the most damning thing for Kane. In fact that he once he's you chose to fire a gun, red car is one thing, but once you chose to fire a gun, I think that you know is not great. And the fact that you didn't even hit the guy you were trying to, that just opened the door for what the judge was saying is that you didn't even hit the guy you're trying to hit. So i.e. you could have killed shot and killed somebody else who didn't even have anything to do with this. So I think that that's probably gonna be the most in my opinion, the most damning thing for him. I mean, we'll see what happens. Uh, like I said, he's in uh, jail now. I think I saw the next court appearance uh, early April. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, I'm. I'm my 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 thoughts on it, Jason. He, I mean, these are these are all intricate details. But even if even if oh, I managed to shoot, I managed to shoot the person responsible for this heinous crime. Okay, let's say you shoot him, then. They, and let's say an innocent family in a fucking minivan two lanes away dies a fiery death because you killed the person driving. You're just as bad as the original act, actor. You're just as much a bad actor then as a person you're supposedly trying to stop. Yeah. Now, again, I don't, now I will say this. I, I'm not hoping one way or another for the, the, for Kane in this case. I'm not hoping he gets convicted of this. I'm not hoping he gets away from it, per se. Um, now, now again, some of this, I, I don't know the guy, obviously. Um, obviously, I do feel sorry for the relative that we're talking about, that, that, you know, who got molested in this, obviously. But, like, you know, yes, folks, I want to say this, that I actually agree with Joe Rogan. I wish he didn't use the gun. Now, I'm gonna take it a step further. Go ahead. I'm gonna take it a step further. I wish he just would have let the fucking process play out before. Bef- I could see if it was a situation where, yeah, we're not gonna pursue charges. From the from the sounds of it, they they were pursuing charges. Well, well, no, I, no, no. I'll see. I guess we'll, we'll have to wait for this to go to trial. Obviously, I don't know at what point Kane decided. You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna cap this dude. You know what I mean? Was it the fact that he wanted to do it all together, no matter what happened, or was it the point of where he was actually let out of jail at all in the first place? Yeah, I agree with you. Charges were still being pursued. The ankle bracelet was going to happen. It's still a thing, I'm sure. But maybe that was the part that set him off. The fact that he wasn't sitting in jail for what he was doing, what it, what he had done. Which is also an interesting point that came up in in Kane's bail hearing that happened Monday. And I know it's two separate situations, and I get that, so don't go there. But it is very interesting that, and this is the point that uh, Kane's lawyer brought up, according to um, a couple articles I saw, is that now the person charged with molesting the child is, is not in jail and free with his family, essentially. Whereas Kane was given no bail. As if he's sitting in jail until trial, away from his family. Now I know what people are probably going to say, including you. And I get that. I know the two separate situations, but that that is an interesting point brought up by his lawyer. The fact that they're, they're, they're just pushing to get bail. You know, if nothing else, why can't Kane get an ankle bracelet and sit at home and be monitored? 
but yet the guy who did the molesting of a child, granted, it's something, is not sitting, sitting in jail. Now, again, I'm not saying one way or another that I agree or disagree with all this, but it's interesting points to bring up when it comes to what's going on as of right now. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to land on whatever point he had or does have, going about it the way he went about it, indirectly undermined it. How so? Because now, now the focus is on, instead of the focus being on the original perpetrator, the focus is on him. You're muted. <laughs> Thank you. I think part of that is just because um, of who Kane is. You know, and, and honestly, that's the reason why we're even talking about this in the first place. Is because obviously, what you know, take Kane out of it. This would have happened to anybody else. Obviously, it's a, it's a big deal. But the reason why we're talking about it, to be honest with you, is because it happened to a former UFC heavyweight champion, Kane Velasquez. You know what I mean? That's why it's in the media. It's because of that. Well, let's be honest here. That, that's why it's in the media. It's because of that. If it was Joe Schmo this happened to, it wouldn't be in, in the media. It might have been a new story for one day or two. But because it's Kane Velasquez, now it's going to be something that's going to be followed until something happens. Well, Jason, I'm going to put it to you like this. There's a reason that even there's been a lot of criticism of uh, um, police chases on the expressway because of potential danger to, you know, bystanders, for example. I mean, there, there's been cases not involving UFC uh, uh, previous, uh, you know, retired fighters um, where, you know, accountability groups have said, hey, why the hell are you chasing this person on the expressway? They they kill a family of five. Is it worth it? Um, because then it, it might be a, a you know a threat to to the general public if God forbid, you know, that you know one of those cars ends up ramming into another car or something like that. So I think is it I I think it's bigger than just oh this is a story because it's Cain Velasquez. It's a story because it's Cain Velasquez and also what Cain Velasquez did, whether it was in the response uh, to something heinous or not. Yeah, like, like I said, man, I know what he, obviously what he did is something that can be talked about. The reason why you and I are talking about it and why it's going to be a media story for months now is because it's, because it's him. Now there is a. I definitely hear what you're saying when it comes to cases and criticism of that, endangering people in the, uh, in the public. But there's a difference here, and this also is probably a damning thing against Kane as well. Is that when police are chasing people on the on the interstate, at the very least, I understand accidents happen, but at the very least, police are trained to do those things. Obviously, obviously, Kane is not, and that's again one thing the judge mentioned when it comes to how reckless it was of what he did. So, there is that difference there. Trained. People versus Kane, who's not trained in that, trained in other things. Ways that he, ways that he did not take advantage of when it comes to him trying to act out some vengeance here. So, um, yeah. I, now again, the date set for his next uh, appearance, I'll be keeping an eye on that as well. Um, not not saying this is the OJ case or anything, but um, yeah, it, 
it'll definitely be an interesting fall from grace if he is convicted of all this stuff. And I'm going to let you go ahead and jump in here real quick because I do want to find – actually, I found it here. So just so we all know, too, um, again, he's charged with the attempted premeditated murder, shooting an occupied motor vehicle or aircraft, three counts of assault with a firearm, three counts of assault with a deadly weapon, willfully discharging a firearm from a ve- from a vehicle, and carrying a loaded firearm with the intent to commit a felony. Those are all his charges. And keep in mind, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, was this in California, by the way? It was. Oh, duh, San Jose, duh. Okay, so I think we all know how gun, how they are with guns and whatnot in California when it comes to people committing crimes with guns. And he has several charges here pretty much related to using those guns. Um, now, I don't know his criminal history when it comes to um, previous felonies and whatnot. I know a lot of his UFC, uh, a lot of people sent letters to the judge to ideally give him bail to get it out, which the judge didn't listen to, obviously. So Kane has a good reputation, at least, for being a good guy. A lot of people feel like they're shocked when he, he did this. They feel like if anybody would have done something like this, it would have been a whole laundry list of other fighters to have done this. But, again, not knowing all that stuff with his criminal history, I had to imagine being charged with all these counts of gun crimes on not let alone the attempted murder. And let's be honest here. Also him bringing a Brown, a Brown person, not a good look. Um, again, I'm not a legal expert here. Never been a lawyer. Although I do play one on TV. I have to imagine it's going to be a hard road for him legally to avoid all of these charges. I, obviously, he's not going to try it. So I, I can't imagine what his plea, what his uh, plea is going to be. But I imagine jury selection is going to be highly key in the trial for him. Hashtag. Anyway, parents. Um, people that people don't that don't know him from the UFC. They're just parents. Actually, actually, one people that know him from the UFC, and those two things are probably going to be key. Is what it is, but it's going to be a hard road for him. I can tell you. I can tell you that. Yeah, the 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 deck has been stacked, but he did a lot of the stacking on his own. Um, Fair. And I'm not even saying he should have used his hands. I'm saying state. I'm saying, and I know originally you wanted to approach this from the perspective of a parent. I'm like, from the perspective of a parent, like at least wait until the fucking trial plays out. Well, and that's what I'm saying. You know. Then go fucking full Charles Charles Bronson, okay? That that's what I would say. You know, if if the system doesn't work for you, then I can say, okay, now I understand. Well, that's what I'm saying before. Maybe that's his view of the system didn't work because this guy's out free, not in jail. Now again, we, I don't I don't know his mindset other than this is the person that blessed my relative, and that may have been the whole point of it. But maybe what set him off that the system didn't work. Like, like like what I mentioned, that he's not in jail for what he did. Now, yes, originally, now, I'm not saying this is why I want to talk about it, because you're a parent, and this is a good aspect of it. But yes, that is an aspect to it that I, I was kind of curious if you'd have an opinion of it as, an, as a parent. If you don't, that's fine. Doesn't make you less of a person or a parent. But to be honest with you, again, I'm not a parent, as people are pointing out to me on, on this show. Um that I, I can probably assume what I might have done if I was a parent, and I probably would have 
wanted to do some physical harm to the dude? Would I've used a gun? No. And that may be the difference here. Like I said, more than once now. That might have been a difference of him going free. Because if he didn't have the gun, maybe he wouldn't have done all the ramming, wouldn't have done all that stuff. Maybe he would have tried to get, obviously if you're trying to use your hands, you want to get closer to the guys. Maybe he would have done some things differently. I don't know. I think I, I I think the entire premise about oh he just should have used his hands is flawed because you're still involving in an encounter where the the deck is stacked against you. Well, keep in mind, he probably didn't personally. care. Personally, I mean, at that point, if you're if you're if you're well, first of all, if you're going to that point to try to do harm to somebody, gun or, or not, at that point you don't care. And the fact that he well, this is not about it is not about his feeling. It's about the fact that. Um, for for me, it's about take, taking the law into your own hands at that point, and basically saying, "Well, shit, I I I know better than 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 the local municipality." I'm like, "Yeah," and now you're having to answer to these assholes too. Well, so, well yeah. you know, I know you're saying it's not, that's crazy. I know you're saying it's not about him. That's I know crazy. you're saying it's not about him caring. But he, but keep in mind, he probably did a lot of stuff knowing I'm probably gonna get in trouble for this. You know what I mean? Use a hand or a gun. Right, because even if I did something to try to beat the guy up with my hands or bat whatever, I know. Hey, you know what? I'm doing this in broad daylight. I'm probably gonna get busted for it. I don't care. I want my uh, my vengeance. I want him to have penance, and yeah. my, his penance is right here in my, in my hands, right here. You know what I mean? Or gun yeah. in his case, whatever. So, yeah, yeah. I the the there is a stark difference though in the charges he's facing versus the charges of the original perpetrator. And to me, that's crazy. Like, well, obviously that's something he was willing to take. Cause obviously his goal was to kill a guy. He was willing to take it. And the fact that he supposedly willfully and easily, you know, you know, if the police not like that, that sounds to me like a guy who knew that, Hey, you know what? Eh, this is what it is. I knew this was going to happen. I probably would just, I would have preferred to kill the guy. Again, it's not me saying that to Tim, but is what it is. At that point, if you're willing to go that far, the law, you don't care anymore. You know? Is what it is. All right. That concludes our segment on Cain Velasquez. Uh, coming up next, we'll wrap up the show. Thank you for listening to the Calpar Bros Podcast with your hosts, Terrence and Jason. If you've enjoyed this episode and you'd like to support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave us a rating and review. Five stars, as always, are appreciated. You can always send the show feedback or show topics at calparkbros at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail at calparkbros.com. You can also reach us at the Calpar Bros voicemail at 405-877-2767. That's 405-877-BROS. Who knows? Your message could end up on a future episode of this here podcast. Jason, final thoughts for the people. My final thoughts are, man, I love this episode. Uh, good topics as usual, at least recently, at least. Um, I love how you bring your surly demeanor when it comes to certain topics as well. That's always much appreciated, man. So thank you very much for that. 
Uh, folks, hopefully you enjoyed this episode again with the topics you talked about. And again, the banter me and Terrence always bring bring it. Um, again, we definitely see you watching and listening to us. Uh, we do always appreciate that. You're definitely recognizing we have the podcast you hear and watch, and you're living it, loving it, doing it. Uh, make sure you keep uh, send us all your anniversary messages to us. Uh, either calpartbros gmail.com, the message link at calpartbros.com, four five eight seven seven bros like Terrence mentioned, or just keep keep hitting us up on social media: Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, YouTube. Find us on the Calpart Bros. We're all there. Keep doing that. We appreciate that. You're going to be a very good Calpart Bros. stalkers and Calpart Bros. nerds. We appreciate that. Hashtag both of those. Thank you very much. And I'm going to end it right there. But first, of course, I got to say the line, the catchphrase, the hashtag. When it comes to all things Calpart Bros, make sure you like us, love us, share us, and follow us. Because if you like us, why wouldn't you? That's right. Once that said, this is Calpart Bros signing off. Peace out, y'all.